When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million to save. Visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. That is true. I did serve one term in the House of Representatives, the most important one since the Reagan first term, Trump's first two years. Lovely, lovely time. And now that House Republicans have, or that Republicans have the House back, I mean, it should be the era of investigating the Biden administration, should it not, per Vince's call and, and Bob's call, trying to give as good as you get? I mean, shouldn't it be? It should be a time when when Hunter Biden stands up and shakes his head and says, man, one week you're on the cover of time, the next week you're doing it. That, that's that's the, the, the mantra we need. Uh, second hour underway, Devin Nunez will join us a little later at the bottom of the hour. I wanted to get to the money issue, though, that I think it was Vince uh, made clear. If you look at the last time I was in electoral politics, I just came off three consecutive cycles, so I'm glad to be done with it in that regard. But $1 billion in dark money in 2020 was funneled into these 501c3s and c4s, uh, and C3s are supposed to be nonpartisan. They can't electioneer. There's some more leeway with C4s and the like. But the bottom line is you're not going to keep up with these Democrats on Act Blue. You're not going to keep up with the outside money on Democrats. Corporate America is giving far more much mo- far more money to Democrats than Republicans, if any to Republicans. And so instead of trying to play this losing game, maybe Republicans ought to lead the charge, quit carrying water for corporatism and corporate America and say, if you can't vote, you can't contribute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm not talking about independent expenditures because the courts already ruled on that in Citizens United. There's not much you can do because we believe in the First Amendment. But I'm talking about you want to know why we got a trillion dollar infrastructure package. You really want to know why? Because all of the trade groups and all of the PACs told each of their, each member in the House and Senate, well, if you want, you know, 5,000 for the primary and 5,000 for the general, you probably need to support this Green New Deal infrastructure bill. There's things you can do on the campaign finance side to help this. It's sort of like the debate over elections. Republicans are now pivoting, saying, well, you know what, all of those unilateral, I think, unconstitutional elections that the governor, the attorney general, the secretary of state put in place during the COVID pandemic. 
In my Senate race in 2020, you're not going to believe this, uh, 60% of the votes were cast absentee. We had weeks and weeks of voting. They certified the election before they matched the votes to the statewide voter registration system. There's never been a forensic audit of anything. And who rewrote the election law against the express words in the Constitution of the United States, which the Supreme Court is now adjudicating in Moore versus North Carolina? Executive branch officials. They signed consent decrees with liberal groups, and they rewrote election law. So what are Republicans saying now in classic GOP fashion? Well, you know, those are the laws. We don't like it. We just better get better at it. No. I will tell you this flat out. If we continue with four months of voting, if we continue with voting by mail, I don't think a Republican will win a close race for the foreseeable future. If you don't go back to the constitutionality that state legislatures and state legislatures only make election law, as per the Constitution, and the court's going to fine for that in this Moore v. North Carolina case. If you don't go back to that, forget about it. You can't play on that field. These secretaries of state, like Steve Simon in Minnesota, or these AGs, or even governors, they don't rewrite election law. They don't exploit covid for rewriting election law, for more honesty. They do it to get out more Democrats and make it easier to vote. That's why they want illegal immigrants to be able to vote in municipal elections. And they're trying to get that done. You combine open borders with the modern welfare state and with elections, and it's a permanent Democrat majority. Why are we even talking about playing on their playing field? we got to keep pushing for honest elections and the voting the way the Constitution says we ought to vote. But if you take a look at my races in the House and Senate, well, outspent thanks to corporate America, 6 to 1, 7 to 1, 10 to 1. Uh, it's it's nuts. It really is. And you've got to start looking into what these nonprofit networks like Arabella, like George Soros's Open Society Foundations are doing to abuse their nonprofit status. And it's not just them. Feeding Our Future in Minneapolis, $250 million scam. And what what do you know? Some of the principals donated to Democrats. Didn't see that coming. Everything doesn't make sense right about now. That's why Republicans are frustrated. That's why they're so mad at the senators for bailing out the Democrats. You've got inflation, so they're spending more money. You've got a border crisis, a, a, an invasion, so we're protecting Ukraine. You've got more crimes who are defunding the police. You've got an administration that wants to terminate Title 42, which makes people apply for asylum due to a health condition in their home country across the other side of the border. They want to undo that because they say, well, Title 42, Title 42 is, is, is you know, doesn't comply anymore because the pandemic's over. Except the Biden administration keeps extending the pandemic emergency so they can keep subsidizing people not to work. You can't have it one way or the other. Of course, that's not <clears throat> that's no obstacle to the ACLU. Here's what they had to say not long ago. 
I also think people are overstating what's happening at the border. If you close the border for so long, of course there's going to be a temporary influx of people, but ultimately it'll even out. And the federal government has more than enough resources to deal with this. I think Congress needs to put more resources in. It's all about enforcement now, but these families, I mean, you hear people saying, well, this is a national security crisis. If you would see these families at the border, these families walk over the border and they just sit down with their little children wanting to apply for asylum. They're not bringing drugs. They're not a danger. And so let's move some of the enforcement resources into processing cases. And they, what he's saying is, let's have absolute amnesty. And this is what Democrats have believed for quite some time. And a nation that doesn't control its borders is no nation at all. Why are they leaving? Why aren't we talking to Mexico and Central America saying, why are so many of your people leaving? You need to do something about this because the American taxpayer can't afford it. The American taxpayer, courtesy of a 1982 Supreme Court decision, has to educate illegals. In 1982 as well, or maybe it was 85, the Emergency Medical Treatment Act. Now they get emergency medical treatment. They want to allow them to vote. This is what's going to happen to, well, what's happened to California, which used to be Reagan country and is now Newsom country, is exactly what's going to happen to the rest of the country, and that's why Democrats love it. Chuck Schumer just doesn't want amnesty for dreamers. He says, I want a path to citizenship for however many undocumented immigrants are here. So this is the New Way Forward Act, but not only in deportation, uh, deportation, excuse me, but grant illegals the right to come back at the U.S. taxpayer expense. Th- this is what the, the the absolute goal is, and yet, and yet, Ukraine's border is more important than our southern border. You know, the court stayed this ninth, this Title Forty Two. Uh, removal by who else? Emmett Sullivan, the U.S. District Activist Judge in D.C., um, where no Republican's going to get a fair hearing in, in district court in Washington, D.C. That's why all these cases are brought there in, in January 6th and all the rest. But they, they, they want to they want to get this Title 42 repealed. Um, if If, in fact, it is repealed, one particular group estimated 18,000 a day that would be 6.57 million aliens a year a population larger than colorado maryland or missouri this country can handle that this country's finance can handle that the wall was working when i was in congress we had real progress under 700,000 total enforcements a year in 2018 and the biden administration starting on his First day in office when he signed 17 executive orders, six of them related to immigration. On his first day in office, he rolled back the construction of the wall. They started chipping away at Title 42, the Migrant Protection Protocol, or Protocol Protection, I should say, declared a deportation moratorium. They flung the border door wide open. They did it on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce crowd. They did it on behalf of Democrats. And it is the battle we are losing not just losing mildly. Um, This is a crisis of historic proportions. Millions and millions being displaced all over the country. And we simply can't sustain it. As Milton Friedman said so many years ago, you can have open borders, you can have an open, or you can have a welfare state, but you can't have both. This is selling out your country for power. And the Republicans need to stand up to it.
starting now. I'm Jason Lewis, in for Clay and Buck today. We'll get to some more calls. And Devin Nunez on, well, some of the shenanigans at Twitter and the DOJ when we come back as well. Don't go away. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Okay, back on the Clay and Buck Show, the author of Party Animal, The Truth About President Trump, Power Politics, and the Partisan Press. That's me, former Congressman Jason Lewis, sitting in for the dynamic duo today. They'll be back next week. They're probably going all over going over all their playoff prognostications right about now, wouldn't you say? Uh, they're doing a great job, and I'm glad to be informed today. 1-800-282-2882. We'll be back tomorrow as well. But right now, let's go to Kelly down in Texas, hopefully where the grid is still sturdy. You are on the Clay and Buck Show. Okay, thank you. Uh, question for you, Jason. Why, why did Senator uh, Cotton from Arkansas vote with the Democrats on this humendous bill? You know, I know Tom, and I've worked with Tom, and he's a great guy, and I like Tom, and he's very, very, uh, he's got a lot of integrity. But he, like so many Republicans, are stuck in this defense conundrum it, to, to, to be to, to get to get to the point. The reason is the NDAA bill, the defense bill, eight hundred and fifty eight billion dollars of which no one can account for. 
of which the military contractors will get rich, the defense contractors, and which allows a lot of Republicans to come home and pound their chest and say, look at me, I'm pro-defense. If you want to look at why people like Cheney and Kinzinger and the Armed Services Committee and the senators ditched Trump, it had nothing to do with the election. It had nothing to do with his idiosyncrasies. When he started talking about ending the endless wars abroad and bringing America home, that was it for Liz Cheney. She came to Congress to plus up defense. You know, when I got to Congress, the defense budget under sequestration was about $550 billion. You know what it is today? I just told you. $858 billion. With the OCO, with, that doesn't even include overseas contingency operations. So you've got a, a situation here, and I saw it up close and personal when I was in Congress, where you get these defense, big spending defense hawks who, who don't heed General Eisenhower's warning or, or don't bother to heed Ike's warning about a military-industrial complex that perpetuates the armaments industry, perpetuates, quite frankly, um, intervention abroad because they have to have something to sell it to. And they're afraid that, oh, they'll go home and somebody will say they're not supporting the troops or something. And it's sad because Eisenhower was knew a little bit about this, and he warned about this all those decades ago in 1960. And what happens is they go to Congress saying, I don't care. I'm, you know, whether it's Mike Gallagher or Michael Waltz or Mike Turner or Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or the defense hawks in, in the Senate, my goal is to triple the defense budget. Well, well, Kelly, do you think Chuck Schumer and the Democrats will sit by and say, oh, okay, you can plus up defense all you want, and we'll just sit back here and we'll cut social spending? They won't. So what do they do? They say, well, you can plus up defense, and Biden went along with it, $858 billion, but only on one condition, if we can triple social spending. And the, the defense hawks say, okay, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's in my book. Liz Cheney once said to me on the floor, um, um, I, I don't care what it takes for the national debt. I want more money for defense. Or words to that effect. So if that's your view, you end up with the bipartisan budget agreement that blows off the sequester, which I voted against, and blew open the, the lids from the Budget Control Act, and they doubled everything. But budget agreements never cut spending. They agree on increases in spending. I scratch you ba back, you scratch mine. And, and in a nutshell, that's the chip that gets the Democrats these blowouts. We will increase NDAA spending to your heart's content if you give us more. And at some point, Republicans are going to have to realize what Eisenhower warned against, that defense, although very, very necessary, these foreign interventions are not, and it's still a government program. I offered an amendment on the Budget Committee to audit the Pentagon. It was voted down by Republicans and Democrats, of course. So in a nutshell, that's it. Does that answer your question? Uh, well, right at the beginning of your speech, you said <laughs> that uh, uh, Senator Cotton uh, was uh, uh, had integrity. I do not think he's practicing it. I really don't. And as far as I'm concerned... All Democrats are narcissists. I've learned that the hard way. 
Well, I, I don't think you can trust a party that is willing to exploit a public health challenge to rewrite election law, farm out our manufacturing to China, and then go into Ukraine yeah. while China's the biggest threat. So you're, you're quite right about that. All I'm telling you is that if you if you look at the Armed Services Committee and the people who are made up of those committees, um, they are dedicated to increasing military spending without limits. And as long as that's the case, you don't have spending cuts across the board. You have no credibility to get the other side to reduce their spending. Anyway, that's it. You may not like it as a Republican, but that's what I saw. 1-800-282-2882. Devin Nunez will join us when we come back. Don't touch that dial. Well, thank you, thank you. I don't have to tell our next guest the Senate is where all good things go to die. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just saying, a little experience there. But Representative Devin Nunez was a longtime member of the House of Representatives, and you know him as chair of the Intelligence Committee. And boy, does he know a lot that is not getting out because of this censorious spiking of stories. So he joins us today, Representative Devin Nunez. Devin, hi, how are you? Hey, Jason. It's great to be with you. Happy. Late Christmas and Happy New Year. Same to you, my friend. You know, I can remember when we sent all those good bills in the 115th over to the Senate, and somehow they just never made it out of that chamber. A lot of them. Wonder why that. Well, is. some of that can be good, and some of it can be bad, right? Yeah, yeah I guess. I guess. I, I do want to was- talk a, a little bit about your tenure at Intel because you were in the midst. Of, of all of this nonsense that's now coming to light with the Twitter files. And, and wh- where I'm going with that, I don't want just the laptop story to, to be the lead here because there's something that still hasn't been completely vetted, of which you were a part of, and that was this, really, they talk about overthrowing elections, the 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 more serious, not more serious, the only serious attempt at overthrowing an election, and that was the Russian collusion scandal concocted by Perkins Coy and Fusion GPS and Democrats. And then within the bowels of of the, the, the national security state and D- DOJ that, that members of Congress are supposed to oversee, but boy, they keep a lot of things quiet, don't they? Well, I think the sad part that we've learned since we conducted our investigation that started in 2017, where we you know, we uncovered the Russia hoax, is that now, Jason, what you really have is you have a rogue part of the FBI that essentially acts as a, as a Gestapo group. And I say FBI, and it's really, it's really the DOJ. People forget that. The FBI mm-hmm. is more common term. But the, but the FBI reports to the DOJ. And I think what they've used is they've, they've hidden behind national security and the national security division to really create a right. small elite unit that can operate kind of on their own. And really what they've been doing is, is they've been reporting to the the Democratic operatives and the Democratic Party. And if you look at it during the Obama administration, they think they figured out how to do it. And then they put in the people they needed at at the right spots at the DOJ and the FBI. And of course, the Russia hoax you know, it's like the gift that keeps on giving for them because every time they run out of something or they get busted, they say, the Russians used Facebook and Donald Trump got elected. Right. And, of course, right. you know, 50-plus percent of the American people just nod their heads and go, yeah, that was really bad. You know, never realizing that, you know, the whole time the, the only ones that had any ties to Russians were the Democrats, uh, the Clinton campaign, 
you know, later you move on to the the Biden, you know, t- you talk about the Biden laptop, uh, you know, story of 2020. Nobody talks about anymore the the Ukraine impeachment hoax. Right. That also where you had ties from Russia, Ukraine, China to Joe Biden. And if you well, look at what two... they impeached Trump for, it was really they should have been impeaching Biden. So I think they were worried at the time that they were going to be out of the, the Democrat Party's close connection right. to Ukraine, Russia and China. And this is how profound the gaslighting is. I mean, it was right there in front of us when a vice president of the United States tells the Ukrainians to stop prosecuting his son. And son of a bitch, they did it. And I mean, imagine if anybody in the Trump administration was caught on tape doing that. And yet they kept gaslighting and gaslighting. And, and you know, and let's be blunt here, too, uh, Devin, that you look at the history of Ukraine, certainly going back to their revolution that happened in the first part of the millennia and see whose hands were all over that. So this notion that Ukrainians are godlike and everybody else, uh, including Trump officials, are bad um, it is really something that's been created by the Democrat media complex. Yeah, and there's this strange tie that we that we still we're only in in the beginning parts of this tie between the Democrat Party, the Bidens, Obama, probably their large their large donors, and the Ukrainian government, the Ukrainian leaders. I mean, if you look at it, just seems like right. they've been tied, you know, to this corruption. That you know, ironically, they you know they they targeted the Paul Manafort for. Um, you know, FARA violations and everything else. And it's just, right. it's hard to fathom how, you know, how did all these Democrats that had the same exact ties or, or well, actually way worse in terms of the amount of money they were taking out of Ukraine and their ties to the U.S. government. And for, you know, for the listeners who don't know, this is, you know, you're supposed to register if you, if you have ties to a foreign uh, entity and you are lobbying or talking to parts of the United States government. Um, you know, you have to you have to report those by law. Now, traditionally, that was treated as as a way for you know people get kind of get their hand slapped, they get a warning, they might have to pay a fine. But, you know, for the first time in history, Republicans were you know essentially sentenced you know you know to life in prison practically, right. and still all these other people have skated. And yeah, you talk about selling access. I mean, this is the big guy, and this is what the House Republicans need to look into, and and don't let go until they get the truth. The selling of access to America and all this money, again on tape by former business partners, going to the big guy, and yet Ukraine has this hagiography about it. That and it's one reason why the omnibus bill was passed. Well, there's another forty five billion for Ukraine, and NDAA got plussed up to eight hundred fifty eight billion, and so all these. Republicans jump on board, and all of a sudden you get a spending blowout. The reason people don't know this is because of this ironclad censorship that state actors and social media, but it really starts with the mainstream media. It starts with CNN, who put out the lies, and then they're expanded by social media without any you know, right. counterweight. Um, and that is really what the Twitter files are about, of which you know more than probably anybody. Yeah, look, I mean, that's why you know I left Congress. You know, precisely because of this reason, it wasn't the fake news. We could deal with the fake news and the ties to the left. What we couldn't deal with is when they controlled the way that that most Americans receive their news and information now, which is through the social media companies. 
And so, you know, I was one of the first to be banned by banned by Twitter so, or, or shadow banned by Twitter, along with a few of my other colleagues. We busted them in 2017. You know why? Because I was the only one that was speaking the truth right. on the Russia hoax. So what a better way to, to handle me than to, you right. know, to basically slime me, slander me, defame me in the media. And then when I would go on social media to try to defend myself, you know, I would get right. two likes, right? Two likes, you know, one... You know, 1.2 million followers or whatever I had, you know, across, I think, one and a half million uh, across all the platforms back in the day. You know, I'd put out a statement that would, you know, give the truth on on something as I was being attacked by the fake news. And, you know, if it could be negative likes, Jason, I would get negative likes. You know, I left Congress to start, you know, to help Donald Trump start a social media platform, True Social, so that we could give the American people their voice back. Well, let's be clear about this. Well, the been, Twitter file simply proves something. The Twitter file dump proves what we all knew. But big question, and you get these silly libertarians on the so-called right once in a while say, well, it's a private company. They can do what they want. Well, how would you feel if Cal Edison or, or any utility company just said, you know what, we're not going to give power to conservatives. We're common carriers. Um, we've got special privileges from the government, but we can still discriminate on viewpoint. No one would put up with that, but that, that's exactly what social media was doing. Yeah, exactly. And then when, you know, we went out and created our own social media company, True Social, um, every, you know, that you hear this all the time from, you know, it's not just our friends on the, on the right and libertarians. You also hear it mostly from the left and Democrats, and they would say for years, they would say, you guys are the pro-business party. Just go create your own platform Well, <laughs> and start your own company. Well, you know, we've done that at True Social, uh, very successful, the third largest social media company behind behind Meta, and which is Facebook and Instagram, and then, of course, Twitter. You know, we're the third largest now, and yet we've applied to the SEC for a merger uh, with a financing company. Right. And, you know, and here we are, you know, a year into this, and the Biden administration, SEC, Guess what? Oh, they no. have the merger company, the financing company on multiple investigations, you know, SEC investigations. So they're investigating, right. you know, the financing company that we have while you've got the mini Madoff guy that's funneling money uh, to the Democratic Party uh, who's running rampant, you know, stealing <laughs> with the billions. We don't even know how many. And the crypto and the from. crypto crook was, gave the vast, vast majority of money. And by the way, let's just quit carrying water for corporate America as Republicans. Um, these guys are in bed with the Democrats. And I don't care whether it's, you know, the crypto crook or anybody else. They outraise us every single day. And a lot of it's from Wall Street and corporate America. Well, it's a dangerous concoction. I've said for, for many years, Jason, even before you came to Congress, this was back in the early parts of my career, that there was this misnomer that somehow big business and corporate America was with was with the Republicans. And I always said the most dangerous part of all was big government, the hard left, and big business all merging right. together. And this was in the mid 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 two thousand. Right. And then of course you added on to that the social media companies. Because what happened is is that and now you're really seeing it, they don't they're not even afraid of it anymore. They've taken over nearly every big business in America. They're all afraid. They all they all have to be woke. You know, and now look, a year or two ago, nobody even knew what the hell woke was. But <laughs> in all the corporate boardrooms in America, they know what woke is. They have to have one of every category. And if you and you can even make up new ones and then they'll say, Hey, uh, you know, this dude thinks that Still he's a, he's a woman, thinks that he can get pregnant. So guess what? Uh, big, uh, you know, 
big corporate America, you better put one of those on your board. This is the real challenge. This is the real challenge for tradition, for conservatives, for the Constitution, and that is the institutional rot that has taken hold, whether it's in corporate America or the classrooms or nonprofit community. It is everywhere. It is ubiquitous, and it's so impossible to get through it. And that's why it's so sad to see the Senate capitulate. And it wasn't just on omnibus, Devin. Remember in, in Trump's lame duck 2020, nobody votes against the NDAA bill. Nobody wants to go home, and especially Republicans, and say, oh, I didn't support the troops. So it's going to pass we had a chance to attach section 230 reform basically giving social media the same treatment as publishers in that lame duck ndaa bill and for some ungodly reason it was yanked at the last minute and yeah and look i mean there was a lot of reasons for that you know at that time remember you know it's not it wasn't that easy jason and look and i'm not i believe that section 230 needs to be reformed but it's not an end-all, be-all. And, and here's the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And as a guy who, you know, I have not hesitated to, to, and I really believe this strongly, that the judicial branch of government has largely skated on a lot of this, on everything we've been talking about right now, but especially as it relates to big tech and the media. And Why so don't the you, De- is, Devin, we're up against the clock. We're up against the clock. Why don't you hold that thought? If you can hang on one more segment, we'll we'll come back with you and you'll finish that thought because I think it's really important. Talking with uh, former Representative Devin Nunez of Truth Social, I'm Jason Lewis, back with more on Clay and Buck when we return. Well, we- more Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. We've got good news and bad news. The good news is Southwest Airlines says normal operations once again starting tomorrow. The bad news is uh, the government is still trying to censor you. And no one knows more about that than Representative Devin Nunez. He was a former chair of the Intelligence Committee. I served with him briefly in Congress, and now he's at Truth Social. Devin, you were talking about Section 230, and I think it should have been attached to that NDAA bill. And I think that would go a long ways if these guys were responsible legally for everything their users put on there. It might be unfair, but it would get them to quit censoring maybe so they could become a neutral platform again. Without that sort of cudgel over their head, they're not changing. Well, and the challenge is what I was saying in the last segment, Jason, is that you know I have been serious about getting the judicial branch involved in this. And I've brought several lawsuits against big media and big tech over the last few years, you know, trying to really just to clear my name and to point out to people that, look, this this is happening. And when it means this is what, you know, what you just learned, what Elon Musk, you know, did. I mean, he did a great service. I know it cost him dearly, cost him a lot of money, um, you know, a lot more money than Twitter was worth. But, uh, you know, in the end, um, you know, look, a lot of people I know are are skeptical like look what's the biggest the the richest man in the world you know Mm -hmm. once he gets control of it is it going to be any better look we we don't know the answer in the long run to that but at least in the short run here we have seen how just how bad these social media companies can be and look i brought some serious court cases i still have some that are pending but you know this if if the judicial branch would have let my lawsuit proceed a couple years ago we would have found this out a long time ago And look, let's not forget, I mean, everybody's focused on the Twitter files because that's what we know right now, but it's really only the tip of the iceberg. Right. You know, what are the, how about big media working with the Democrats and these big tech companies? So under, I know where you're going with this. Instagram. There's a two-prong approach to this. One is the Clarence Thomas view of the New York Times v. Sullivan that says, now we're making it a little bit too hard uh, for someone who's defamed like Devin Nunez to bring a case. And it is true, when they paint a false light of politicians or any human being, whether it's Covington High Schoolers or anybody else, they know exactly what they're doing at CNN. They know exactly what they're doing at MSNBC. They're giving painting people in a false light, which is a form of defamation. They did it to me. They did it to you. Uh, the yeah. other angle here, as you're talking about, is under Citizens United, and that is corporations, A, may not contribute, but if they coordinate or if a PAC coordinates, you've got to report it. And I think what you're getting at here is the media exemption. If you've got CNN being fed sources by Democrats or never Trumpers and they're coordinating and yet they're a legacy corporation, how's that any different than ExxonMobil doing it, which would be prosecuted? Well, look, and they have the best of both worlds here, right? So you just talked about defamation. It's almost in, it's nearly impossible or, and it's very difficult to bring these cases if you're a public figure. You know, I've been the only one to actually successfully bring several of these cases, but, you know, they still just languish in court. 
You know, you go through right. discovery. Of course, they don't have mm. any information. They never have anything. But then, you know, lo and behold, when Twitter files come out and somebody gets a hold of it, wow, you really see the coordination between the Democrats, your go- your government, law enforcement, uh, the Democratic Party, all their big donors, and then the social media companies. And yeah. so, you know, what, you know, it's going to take time here, but, uh, you know, hopefully the judicial court, the, ju- the courts will get involved. You got hopefully it. Congress can investigate and bring more light to this. Representative Devin Nunez, former representative, always a pleasure. We'll see you on Truth Social, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.